Tonight's reading is Genesis 39, Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, sorry, yes, it is, sorry, Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favour in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care, with Joseph in charge He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, she told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns He has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look! She said to them, This Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought to us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favour 
in the eyes of the prison warder. So the warder put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warder paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Sally-Anne. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Nice to see you all. Um, If you had been uh, around the standard on Friday night... um, you might have seen somebody running around in a, in a costume, uh, a Where's Wally costume, um, because the young people were, were uh, doing a, an activity where they had to go and find Where's Wally, and Where's Wally's dressed up, uh, well, he's not dressed up now. He was dressed up, and there's a mark, so thank you for doing that. I'm not sure who won the search for it, for, for Where's Wally, but you know the concept of Where's Wally, you know the books, don't you? The, you get a picture, Lots of people, and you've got to try and find uh, Wally in the picture. And, and um, uh, it's sometimes very hard. It's really hard to see and to find uh, where he is. And I just want you to, to think about where, where is God in the picture? Where is God? Hold that thought as we um, consider this passage in front of us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word, and we pray um, as we look at it together, we pray that by your spirit, you will help us to see you and to see where you are, and we might see you in our lives. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. So we're looking um, at the story of um, Joseph, and... um, the first half of Genesis is very much a, a, a God seems to be doing all sorts of things. He seems to be doing miraculous things. He seems to be speaking um, it, it through different means, and there's a lot going on. And, and then when we get to the second half of Genesis, um, we seem to less of that happening, and um, there's a sort of hiddenness, hence the, the title of our series, The Hidden Hand of God. Uh, and sometimes we can be asking, where is God? In the story, and tonight we'll be looking at this with that in the background of our thinking, um, and we're going to be looking at Joseph's temptations, and I use it plurally, deliberately, because we're going to be looking at three t- temptations. There's an obvious one in the middle, um, uh, but there's actually one at the beginning, and there's one at the end. So have page 43 open in front of you. That will be really helpful. I think it was 43. Somebody will correct me if it's not. And the first temptation is, um, is the temptation from power. Um, it's easily missed. Verse 1 tells us that Potiphar was the captain of the guard. That meant he, he, he was the chief of the defense staff. He was the top man in the defense department of Egypt. He was one of the most powerful men there, there is at that time. And verse 2 says, The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And so this means that Joseph has has somehow risen to to this place, uh, this elevated place within this really powerful man's um, house. And he had access to to power. And 
uh, I want to just spend a moment contrasting his, how he uses power uh, and how Potiphar's wife uses her power because she has a lot of power as well in the story. Uh, and twice in verse 7 and 12, you'll have noticed as it was read, she says to Joseph, come to bed with me. And it's, it's actually very, it's a very <laughs> crass uh, what she says. It, she says to just sex now. That is the literal kind of translation of this. It's that blunt. It is forceful. It is harassment. It is demanding. And what's she using her power for? She's using her power to get uh, something for herself and to betray her husband. Uh, Joseph, contrast it with Joseph and how he uses power. Yes, he's He's a slave, but he's access to power, as we see in the story, his incredible access to power. But he says, because it says in in verse 4 that he was the attendant. That doesn't mean he was sort of like a a PA or a a kind of a bag carrier. He was much, much more important than that. He was kind of Potiphar's right-hand man. He was sort of like chief of operations. Um, He was running the show, and Potiphar had, verse 4, entrusted to his care everything he owned. So, so, so Joseph has access to power as well here. He has power, but how does he use it? Well, verse 5 tells us that he uses it to bless others, to, to think about the land and the people and to think about his boss. And um, many people who, who clearly didn't know anything about the Lord, this is in Egypt, but he seeks to, to bless others. Verse 6 says, So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Incredible, isn't it? How he uh, looks and thinks about the power that he has. It's to, to serve others. I wonder where you are most of the day. Uh, maybe you're at work. Um, can, can, you, can you be used as a, a, a Christian man or woman in that sphere to, to bless others and to serve uh, others, whether they know about God or not? It might be in the spheres of, of business or media, finance and law. It might be in commerce, it might be in education or health. Wherever you are and you find yourself, you have some power to bless others, don't you? It may not be quite to the extent of Joseph had here, but we all have that opportunity to seek to bless others. Um, God can use us wherever we are, in whatever sphere of life we might find ourselves to do amazing things. And yet, so often we get tempted as well to use the power that we have. But Joseph, he did not concern himself with anything except food, the food he ate. How did he do that? How did he do that? It's incredible. Verse 2, because the Lord was with him. Where is God The Lord was with him. And we'll come back to talk a little bit more about that um, in a moment. But the second um, temptation that is here is the one um, around sex. Verse 7 says, come to bed with me. And look at at 
his response, verse 8, but he refused. And he said, with me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. Joseph says here, what a wicked and sinful thing. Uh, Why is it? I mean, that might seem like an obvious question, uh, an obvious answer. Well, it's it's adultery. Um, But why does the Bible say adultery is wrong? Um, One level, we could say, well, uh, it breaks one of the commandments. It breaks the seventh commandment, doesn't it? But I want us to just go a little bit deeper than than that, just from a purely uh, command and obedience or disobedience. Let me read from 1 Corinthians 6, which is Paul talking to um, the Corinthian church about the kind of gospel approach, the good news approach to, to sex. He, he says this in, in, from verse 16. He says, Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two shall become one flesh. Verse 18, flee from sexual immorality. 19, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So yes, Paul is saying here, sex outside of marriage is, is wrong. But why is it wrong? Is it just wrong because he says it's wrong? Well, yes, but why? What's the deeper kind of level here? Because sex was designed to create one flesh. You see, sex was created um, to say to someone else, I belong to you completely, exclusively. And in you, in, in every aspect of my life, not just the physical, but also in the, in the emotional, in the, in the um, economic sense, in the legal sense, in a spiritual sense, everything. That's the kind of one flesh uh, that Paul speaks about. So physical union is an expression of what you are doing with your whole life, everything about your life. And then sex just is about deepening our trust in each other. But if you have sex outside of that, what you're actually saying is, I want physical oneness, but I don't want all the other oneness that goes with it. I, want, I just want your body, but I don't want to entrust myself to you. I just want to belong to myself. And you can see how deeply selfish that is. So that's why Paul says to flee from sex outside of a committed marriage. And why Joseph flees from it here? So how does, he, how does Joseph um, resist the, the temptations which seem to be coming time after time after time here in, in the text? Most people even today think the main way to resist these kind of temptations is through kind of willpower you know i've just got to just got to say no 
uh, kind of approach, isn't it? You often hear that. A matter of self-control. Uh, it, and it becomes about kind of suppressing things, um, pushing things down inside yourself, push your desires down and not let them out. And so the will takes charge of the desires of the heart. That's how we kind of sometimes put it across, isn't it? But I don't think that's what happens here. What Joseph does is the opposite. He looks, he looks outside of himself, doesn't he? Um, and he looks to, to, for his desires to be fulfilled in God. Notice what he says in his argument against sleeping with her in verse 9. He says, How then I could do such a wicked thing and sin against Potiphar? No, he says sin against God. How could I do this against God? You see, the, the sin against Potiphar uh, uh, and um, Potiphar but is there, yes. But Joseph sees it as a sin against God. So the ultimate way Joseph gets power to resist is not through kind of a, some sort of willpower to resist. It's not. It's something different. It's actually through heart power, if you like. If we could use that expression. A heart power. Not about looking inside to suppress your desires, but to find the ultimate reality of your desires in someone else who is bigger than those uh, around us. It's about reorientating our desires and our affections to God. Saying, thing, maybe saying something like, how can I trample on God, the God of my life, the one whom I love because of what he has done in loving me? You see, the, the kind of, that's not about suppressing it inside you. It's about reorientating that desire to something bigger, who is God. To find the supreme love, if you like. To put all other desires in their rightful place. So that's the, uh, the ultimate, that's the, uh, the, the, the temptation that Joseph faced from sexual temptation. But there is a, a third one that I want to draw us to. There's the temptation to despair. And this is sort of, we don't recognize this, perhaps see this as much as clearly, because we see this one is about, there's the sexual, very obvious temptation and harassment that's going on. And in some ways, this is the hardest one of all, isn't it? And I suspect we, we hardly notice it. Joseph is doing... Notice that Joseph in this story is doing everything right, isn't he? And things are going, um, in a sense, well, and he's successful in everything that he does. You remember back in chapter 37 where everything was going wrong and he was a bit of a spoilt brat and he got what was coming to him because the way that he sort of puffed himself up about his brothers. And he's sold into slavery and it spirals out of control, doesn't it? And he gets sold and, and he ends up as a slave. But now he's doing, he's doing really well, isn't he? Um, verse 2 tells us that he prospered. He resists the temptations of power and sex 
And yet, and yet what happens? His life still spirals out of control. Now he faces, in a sense, like the hardest temptation of all, because it's, a, it's the temptation to despair. And that's a big temptation, isn't it? For us all. Perhaps particularly from what we've been through over this last uh, year and a half or so. Here, you see, when you think you've done all the right things, and still everything goes belly up, and it's really no fault of your own. And we're tempted to say, where is God? Where are you, Lord? Lord, you owe me, because I've done all these good things. Verse 11, one day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and he ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, He left his cloak beside me and he ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. And then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you bought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and I ran out of the house. And when his master heard this story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. And Joseph's master put him in prison. Oh no. Notice, did you, as you listen to that, how Potiphar's wife um, refers to Joseph as this Hebrew. I mean, that's, a, that's really a... a, a ethnic slur really isn't it it's a, it's it's a it's weaponized hebrew slur slave there's nothing new under the sun i don't know ask you a question have there been times when you have resisted all other temptations whatever they might be they might not be sex and uh, and power but other temptations You've kept on the right side uh, and then God lets stuff just happen to you and when life comes kind of crushing down on you and everything still goes wrong. At that point we're tempted to despair and to turn our backs on God saying, you didn't come through for me when I needed you. And perhaps those thoughts doesn't tell us here But perhaps those thoughts went through Joseph's mind. I don't know. But it's quite possible, isn't it, that they did. Of course, we, when we're reading this story, um, have a perspective on Joseph's life that you and I can't possibly have on our own lives. Because we know the end. We know how that works out, don't we? We know that he had to go uh, to prison If Potiphar's wife had not done this awful thing, he'd never met the king's prisoners. 
eventually become the prince of Egypt and eventually save thousands and thousands of people's lives and save his family's life. What's going on? God saved them through this tragedy, through the suffering and pain. Notice how the the narrator um, gets this across at the beginning. Verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. Verse 3, when his master saw that the Lord was with him and the Lord gave him success in everything he did. And deliberately the writer, the, the narrator is telling us then at the beginning, the Lord is with you, with him. And then right at the end in verse 21, he says something very similar. He says, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favour in the eyes of the prison warden. Verse 23, the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. What does this mean for us? Whatever happens, whatever happens, nothing can thwart God's hidden plan and his hidden care for you and his ultimate plan for your life. See, Joseph here in this chapter did everything right. He was righteous, kind to others, didn't misuse his power, didn't sleep with the boss's wife. He was tempted but remained faithful and yet it still all blows up in his face. He could have despaired at that moment, but he didn't. Does it remind you of anyone? Anyone in the New Testament? Reminds me of Jesus, who did absolutely everything right. And I know the answer is always Jesus. (laughs) I can see some of your faces. (laughs) But Jesus did everything right, didn't he? And he was tempted in every way, as we are tempted, because he's in our, because he was fully human. And he was righteous. He lived according to God's law. But he resisted those things. And what happened to him? It went belly up, didn't it? It still blowed up in his face. He was arrested falsely, accused, rejected, just like Joseph, and thrown into the ultimate prison of death. But there was resurrection through it. There was life through it. His ultimate plan was coming about. His ultimate care for us. In his salvation for us. How could Joseph overcome such a devastating temptation and adversities where his life is literally gets worse and worse and falls apart? And he went from the most beloved son to a slave to Potiphar's right-hand man, to a prison, and all the while doing his best to do, was right. How, to do what was right. How did Joseph do it? Joseph did it because of the Lord. Because he knew the Lord was with him. Where is God? Where is the Lord? Well, the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us right now. He's with you. If you put your trust in Jesus, he says he will never leave us, never forsake us. He is with you, 
even if it feels very dark at times. Where is God? The Lord is with us. I think we need an amen. Amen. (laughs) Father God, um, we thank you for your words and we thank you for the reminder here that you were with Joseph. You were with Joseph in the success and you were with Joseph when things went wrong for him. And Father, we pray that we will know that you are with us, particularly when we face temptations, uh, temptations to misuse power, maybe temptations um, to indulge in things that are not right and not of you. Uh, We pray, Father, that you'll keep us from the temptation to despair. Help us to see your hidden hand uh, at work in our lives, trusting in you that you do bring about your plans and purposes ultimately because of your son, Jesus Christ, who is promised to be with us and never leave us. We pray that we put our trust in you now. In Jesus' name, amen.